Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. One Sunday morning, at a small southern church, the new pastor called one of his older deacons to lead in the opening prayer. The deacon stood up, bowed his head, and said, Lord, I hate buttermilk biscuits. The pastor opened one eye and wondered where this was going. The deacon continued, Lord, I hate lard. Now the pastor was totally perplexed. The deacon continued, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour. But after you mix them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. Lord, help us to realize when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, whenever we don't understand what you're doing, that we need to wait and see what you're making. After you get through making and mixing and baking, it'll probably be something even better than biscuits. Amen. That's not so bad. I like that. I actually like that. Okay, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 8. 2 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, everybody got a Bible. It's Bible study night, right? Second Samuel chapter 8. Okay, so if you don't have a Bible, just share with your neighbor. We're not going to be here very long tonight. <laughs> Second Samuel uh, chapter 8. Let me just uh, bring you up to speed on where we are. And in the event that you haven't been with us on Wednesday night, let me just kind of bring you right up to where we are tonight, okay? Samuel is a book about David. You know that. David reigned 40 years as king, uh, seven and a half years uh, in Hebron, and 33 years in Jerusalem. Second Samuel is divided nicely into three sections, chapters 1 through 10. You got your pen? Get your pen out tonight. You probably need it. Second Samuel, and you will need it. Second Samuel, uh, chapters 1 through 10, we find David's triumphs. Chapters 11 through 12, we have David's trials. And chapters 13 through 24, we find David's troubles. Three main sections, Second Samuel. 1 through 10, David's triumphs. 11 through 12, David's trials. And 13 through 24, David's troubles, we find. Chapter 1, I'm going to get you to just turn there with me, okay? Y'all awake tonight? Everybody okay? All right, we're going to just travel together really quickly, and I want you to keep up with me tonight. Um, Chapter 1. Turn, turn to chapter 1. We're going to just look at each chapter just a little bit. Not a whole lot of nothing, just to bring you up to speed. In chapter 1, the Philistines killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa and hung their bodies on the wall. In chapter 2, look at right about verse 4. 
David is anointed king. 2 Samuel 2.4, David is anointed king of Judah in the south. Meanwhile, Abner anoints Ishbosheth, Saul's 40-year-old son, king in the north. You'll find that about verse 8 of chapter 2. And a civil war breaks out right about verse 12. In verse 12, Abner and Ishbosheth decide to have a standoff with their men. And Abner and his soldiers are on one side of the pool, and Joab and his soldiers are on the other side of the pool, and they're kind of mean-mugging each other. And they begin to fight, and it's very, very graphic. You can read that if you like in your own time. It's very graphic. And men die, and it's a very sick game. Right about verse 16, they call the place the Field of Sharp Swords. Chapter 3, go with me. I told you there was a civil war in the nation. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. There was a long war between Saul and David. David grew stronger and stronger, and Saul grew, what saints? Weaker and weaker. Can y'all stay with me? And look at verse 2. David had six wives and six sons. Well, that'll bring constant war right there. The firstborn son is Abnon. The second son is Chiliab by Abigail, the Carmelite. The third son is Absalom, who tried to kill his father. The fourth Adonai, uh, fifth, Shepatiah, and sixth, Ithriam. First Chronicles chapter three, you can write that in your margin, tells us that David took more wives and concubines in Jerusalem and has 11 more children. Chapter three, David gets his wife back. Uh, her name is Michael. Look at verse 17 of chapter three. Abner said, you guys have been talking uh, uh, and, and uh, about... Uh, um, keeping my wife and, 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 and joining my forces, and, 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 and I want her back. Um, and I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll allow you to join forces with me if you give me my wife back. And uh, so they did that. And uh, Israel talked about making David king, uh, but they wouldn't crown him at that time. Uh, we also see significant in chapter 3 that Joab murders uh, Abner. Joab murders Abner. Uh, look right about verse 22. Uh, because Abner, you remember, were you with me in chapter 3? Abner murdered Joab's brother, Ashiel. And Ashiel, uh, his name means fleet foot. Fleet foot. And that just simply means he could run really fast. And when Abner came to Hebron, later down in the chapter, right around verse 27, 28, when Abner came to Hebron, Joab took him aside and stabbed him under the fifth rib, getting revenge for his brother. And David is weeping and mourning over Abner and issued a royal edict for everyone to attend the funeral. And David writes the Song of the Bow in chapter 4. Uh, the murder and the intrigue continue as Abner is dead and Ishbosheth's son is laying on the bed resting. Look at about right about uh, verse five of chapter four. Ishbosheth's uh, uh, Saul's son is laying on the bed resting, and a guy named I think it's Bana or Banana or something like that. <laughs> Amen. Look, you 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 do the work. Uh, sneaks into the room. And he stabs him under the fifth rib. You notice everybody gets stabbed under the fifth rib. Why? Because when you stab under the fifth rib, you go right into the heart. And Jesus, when the soldier, remember, we talked about it on Sunday, right? When, when the soldier 
took the sword and went up into Jesus under the fifth rib. It went right into the heart and blood and water came out because of the pericardium. There's a sack of water around the heart. Blood and water came out. So uh, it's very common and it's a very uh, it's a, um, a military move, actually, to stab someone under the fifth rib. It's a typical death blow. Um, right into the heart. We talked about that. Ishbosheth is killed, and Bana and Rakab ran with head in hand because they cut off his head, and they ran to David. Look at verse eight in chapter four. They came to David with the head, kind of holding it in the grossing, and and David said, "Just put that thing in the refrigerator." And um, and, and 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 the reason why I think David was as cavalier as he was is because David is very, very familiar with carrying heads. Remember Goliath? So he wasn't like, ooh, ooh, that's nasty. Ooh, no, it's nasty. Put that thing away. He wasn't like that. David's like, you know, put that thing away. Just go put that thing away. Because he's kind of used to it. So they're thinking that they're making David happy by killing Ishbosheth, assuming God's uh, approved of what they did. But look at verse 12. David had them executed and had their hands and feet cut off and the rest of their body in the pool in Hebron. In chapter 5, let's move forward. In verse 1, then, look at verse 1, then. That word then is very important. All the tribes of Israel came to David. David is about 37 years old, and it's approximately 20 years since Samuel walked into Jesse's house looking for the Lord's anointed and found David. And he saw David, and he poured a bucket of oil over his head. You notice that. You know that. And anointed him. And it was that moment, from that moment, 20 years ago, that David was king in God's mind. David wasn't the king he was going to be, but the king that God was molding. And so God sums up, are y'all listening? God sums up those 20 years with the word then. Then. Chapter 5, verse 3. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king. Now listen, they anointed David king. This is the third time they've anointed David or David's been anointed. The first time David is anointed by the prophet Samuel. We just talked about that in Jesse's house 20 years ago. The second time is in 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 4. All the men of Judah anointed him king in Hebron. And here in chapter 5, now all the nations come together and they anoint David as king. First Chronicles chapter 12 tells us all the, the elders of Israel came to Hebron to anoint David. So all the elders and the warriors came to uh, Hebron to anoint David. We learn from First Chronicles chapter 12 that there were 340,000 warriors who came to this anointing ceremony. This was a big, big deal. It was a big deal, a, a, a huge event. So chapter 5, look at verse 6 and 7. is very important as we learn that David took the stronghold of Zion. Look at verse 7. The word nevertheless, nevertheless, or just like that, David took the city of Zion. Listen, that was a big deal because Jerusalem had never been occupied by Israel before. 
So God is using David to unite the nation nationally and and civically and to awaken the people religiously and spiritually. And David begins to establish trade throughout the known world and every enemy is defeated that comes against him. Why? Because God's hand is upon his life. Look at chapter six. Jerusalem is a political and spiritual capital of the nation. David had done great things. But there's something missing. Are you in chapter six? What's that? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God. I told you that the Ark of the Covenant was central to the life of the people of Israel. In the mind of the Jew, if the Ark wasn't present, the Lord wasn't present. In the mind of a Jew, if the Ark wasn't present, the Lord wasn't present. So David gathered 30,000 of his best men to go get the Ark, which was in the house of Abinadad. Abinadad, please stay with me. Abinadad has two sons. One is named uh, Yuza. The other name is Ohio. Yuza and Ohio took the ark from the house of Abinadad and they put it on a new cart and they're headed to Jerusalem. You know the story. They're walking along, singing a song. Everybody's excited. Music is playing. Tambourines are being played. People are singing. 30,000 people are in this procession. And all of a sudden, the ark shook. Remember? And when the ark shook, Uzzah kind of tried to steady the ark. He's like, well, the ark shook. Uzzah goes, oh, 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 don't, don't let it fall. Don't let it fall. And when Uzzah touched the ark, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God struck him dead. Why? Because priests, we talked about it, priests were the only ones allowed. They weren't allowed to touch the cart. They were allowed to transport the cart. They were the only ones allowed to, nobody could touch the cart, the the ark. Nobody could touch the ark. But they were allowed to transport the ark on those poles that were through the ark on both sides. But only the priest could do that. No one could touch the ark of God. David is doing a great thing. We talked about this. Saints, I need you to wake up and listen to me here. David is doing a great thing, bringing the ark home. But even though you're doing a great thing, you got to do the great thing according to God's word. Did you hear me? You got to do the great thing according to God's word. We talked about that right motive, wrong method. Right motive, writing something down, right motive, wrong method. God doesn't allow anybody to throw him on their cart. God doesn't allow anybody to throw him on something that they're doing that is against his word. And then expect to be blessed. And this is what people do every day of the week. People want to do what they want to do. Live the way they want to live. Y'all pray for me. Do what they want to do. Live the way they want to live. Act the way they want to act. And then say, God bless me. Can I tell you something? No, 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 no. No, work that way. God's not going to bless your mess. God doesn't work that way. You, if you want to be blessed by God, you got to do what God tells you to do in the way that God tells you to do it. You could have the right motive and the wrong method. So your heart is right, but you're not doing it right. 
You're not doing it according to the word of God. That was David's problem in chapter 6. As they are moving the ark of God out of the house of Abinadad, seeking to take it back to Jerusalem. So after David understood that he was doing the right thing the wrong way, David did the right thing the right way. After three months, David takes the ark, and according to, according to God's word, and he slowly makes his way to Jerusalem with the ark, and it was a long, bloody journey because they had watch this to stop every 30 feet and offer a sacrifice every 30 feet they had to stop offer sacrifice and then move so it was a long bloody journey when they finally got the ark to jerusalem chapter 6 verse 14 go ahead and look at it the bible tells us that david danced before the lord wearing a linen ephod or wearing his undies David was glad to know when you obey God, you are blessed. Point blank, period. Done with that. Chapter 7. David wants to build God a house. He asked Nathan. Nathan said, sure, do all that's in your heart to do. God is with you. Chapter 7, verse 6. Go ahead and look at it. God said, no, I'm not. God said, Nate, you need to go correct the word that you gave to David. God said, David, I don't want you to build me a house. I never asked you or anyone else for that matter to build me a house. I haven't lived in a house since Egypt, but I've moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. God said, David, I don't want a house from you, although I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a dynasty. We talked about that. A kingdom that will last forever. Verse 13, chapter 7. The phrase, a dynasty or a kingdom that will last forever, God is talking about building David um, or, or God is talking about the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant. We don't have time to talk about that tonight. We talked about it in chapter 7. If you missed any of these teachings, just go to the bookstore, order whatever you like and, and, and catch up with us. So beginning in chapter 7 through chapter 11, I told you that David is involved in four important activities. The next five chapters, David is involved in four important activities, including chapter 7. We already dealt with that. Chapter 7, accepting God's will. Chapter 8, fighting God's battle, which we'll talk about tonight. Chapter 9, sharing God's kindness. Chapter 10, defending God's honor. And then finally, chapter 11, David begins to disobey God again. Let me read it to you again in case you're typing or you're writing. You got some fast finger sharing. Do it. I see you doing your thing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking and you just, amen, we're a team. Look at it, just like that. Accepting God's will, chapter 7. Fighting God's battle, chapter 8. Sharing God's kindness, chapter 9. Defending God's honor, chapter 10. And David begins to sin again in chapter 11. Tonight we come to chapter 8, fighting God's battles. Second Samuel, saints, I brought you up to date. Now that's it. Second Samuel, chapter 8, we're picking up in verse uh, 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say, I'm looking at him. After this, after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines. I want you to underline that. David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg, Amma, from the hand of the Philistines. And then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death. And with one line, full, with one full line, those to be kept alive. 
So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. I'll explain. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. And David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 20,000, 22,000 of the Syrians. And then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and bought tribute. So the Lord, in verse 6, preserved David wherever he went. Please underline that. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. Also from Beta and from Barathai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took a large amount of bronze. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention again. Under David's leadership, Israel is occupying Jerusalem for the first time. At the time of chapter 8, things are, are going great. Things are, are awesome. Things are, um, David is, 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 is leading Israel, and, 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 and they are experiencing prosperity, unprecedented prosperity, uh, materially and spiritually, the land that was flow that was to flow with milk and honey is flowing with milk and honey on every level. But Israel was surrounded by their enemies, enemies on every side. The Philistines, just listen to me, the Philistines are to the west by the Mediterranean, the Syrians to the north in the area of Aram, Damascus, the Moabites to the east in Ammon, beyond the Dead Sea, the Edomites to the south, they're surrounded. The enemy, watch this, listen, I'm going somewhere. The enemy is just creeping in and he kept taking more and more ground. And before they knew it, they were surrounded, trapped, engulfed, and they didn't see it coming. Now listen, before we go any further, let me just make application with this. This is very important. This is exactly what happens to Christians. The enemy, or let's call it compromise, or let's call it the flesh, just creeps in little bit by little bit by little bit, and before you know it, you're trapped. Listen, nobody gets trapped in sin or caught in an addiction because they choose to. People don't backslide because they choose to. Nobody wakes up in the morning. Are y'all listening over here? Nobody wakes up in the morning... Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I think I'll backslide today. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what? I think I'll become an addict today. Nobody does that. It happens little bit by little bit by little bit. It happens over time. It happens with one compromise at a time. It happens, you find yourself away from the Lord... You find yourself away from the Lord and you wonder how I got here. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I know y'all spiritual, but, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway, okay? You find yourself away from the Lord and you go, how did I get here? 
how did I get here? I mean, man, I was just walking with God. Nobody like wakes up and just decides that they're going to compromise. You, you, you find yourself over time uh, away from the Lord. Because you, you stop doing what you used to do, or you stop doing the thing that had you close to the Lord. I remember when we were in the Church of God in Christ, we used to sing the song, Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Because it was there that you were happy. It was there that you were walking close to the Lord. It was there that you were in fellowship with the Lord. But somehow, someway, one compromise at a time. Oh, you missed church on Sunday. Oh, I missed church on Sunday. Okay, no big deal. Then Wednesday came by, and oh, man, I couldn't get through traffic. Just, oh, okay. And then the next Sunday, y'all going to the beach. So we're going to the beach, or we're going to miss Sunday then. And then, and then you come back. And then, then you miss another Sunday because you're tired from going to the beach. And before you know it, one week of missing service turns into six months. That's the God's honest truth. I have talked to people who have told me just that. I know that to be a fact. It turns into six months. Or, or, or you start doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And it's just one time. Or I'm just out of the party. I'm only doing it one time and that's it. And then you... Continue, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. The enemy, listen, it's taking ground, or you find yourself drifting away, and you don't even know it. You don't feel it. You don't sense it. You're drifting off course. Let me share something with you about being a Christian. If you're not growing or maturing as a Christian, you're losing ground. Listen, you want to write something down? Write this down. Don't write nothing else tonight, but you can write this down. If you find that you are not growing as a Christian... And you're not maturing, you are losing ground. If you're not going forward, you are going backward. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.